this is Tracy Lee Watson welcoming you to the Laughing Mother Project Podcast Season 2. Here we laugh at the days to come. Hi there, welcome back to the first podcast of Season 2 of the Laughing Mother Project Podcast. Today I'm so excited about the guest that is going to be chatting with us. Her name is Holly Robertson. She's the pastor and youth leader along with her fun-loving husband, Nick, at City Impact Church in Auckland. Holly was a model. She's still a model. I'm sure she still does some modeling. And as we know, models normally walk the catwalk and they have an X factor. What they wear is... On, on the ramp is normally inspirational to uh, give ideas for what's trending, what's on fashion, and anybody watching them um, gets inspired about what to wear and um, what's on trend. And so that's what's so cool about Holly is that she leads the youth and she's walking the walk and talking the talk and she's leading by role modeling and being a living letter where Jesus can write on the pages of her heart and her life and anybody reading um, the chapters of her book can see her love for Jesus is so evident. I just thought of the scripture um, after listening to this, well, after listening to Holly's story, and the scripture is from Isaiah 53 verse 7, and it says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. Imagine this model. She's walking over mountains, over things that she's walked that that have seemed like mountains in front of her and through valleys. And she's carrying the beautiful good news that Jesus is alive. He's the lover of her soul. He's carrying her through and she's more than a conqueror. So I just want to read that again. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. And so um, as we enter into this podcast, I just wanted to give a little disclaimer or a little heads up that while we were doing the interview at the end of the year last year, um, there happened to be some construction work that started happening in the middle of our interview. And I just decided not to intercept it. So if you do hear some machinery going on in the background, please ignore it. Just keep focused on the pearls of wisdom that are coming from Holly. And so without further ado, let's just head straight into the podcast. I hope you are extremely blessed. Hi ladies, welcome to the Laughing Mother Project podcast. Today we've got beautiful Holly with us and Holly's married to Nick Robertson and they have a beautiful two-year-old little girl. And so welcome Holly. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, Holly, can you tell us how did your mothering journey begin? How did you come to the decision that you were ready to start a family? Had you been married long? Can you just tell us about that? Yeah, sure. So I guess my mothering journey wasn't really planned. Yes. We'd um, only been married six months and I found out I was pregnant 
um, which was a huge surprise. I was on like contraceptive pill, so. Were you taking antibiotics or something? No, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what happened, but it happened. And so we found out we were pregnant and... What was your initial reaction? Well, for me, when I like find out you're pregnant, it's supposed to be like this really exciting thing. But I remember coming out of the bathroom and running into the kitchen to find Nick and just bawling my eyes out. Yes, but it's such a surprise because it's massive. It was huge and we'd only been married six months and... I That's hard as well. You're learning to be married. <laughs> I, yeah. And I'm an only child. It was my first time moving out of home. And so I was finding marriage difficult. Yes. I always think you have to learn to be married yeah. as well. Anyway, 100%. To live together. Yeah. And, like. and so I always said like the first year of our marriage was probably our hardest. Mm-hmm. And so six months in throwing like a pregnancy in there, that was very stressful. And your hormones when you're mm-hmm. pregnant are also... I was pregnant. really, really sick. Um, but then, so we went to like an eight-week scan or something and found out we were having twins. Wow, the double. Yep. <laughs> double blessing. <laughs> um, and so I was actually, at this point, I was excited about it. I'd always prayed that I would have twins. We have twins in both sides of our family, actually. My mum is a twin. Really? Yeah, my mum is a twin. And I always said to God, I was like... Lord, if I'm going to have twins, let me have them first time around so that it's not a shock, you know, yes. as in like, I'm not going from one to three. It's yes. just like, okay, twins. And yes. I don't have anything to compare it to. Yes. So when I found out I was having twins, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I was super excited. Um, and so by that point, we'd kind of like understood we were pregnant, this was happening and we were excited and on our journey of pregnancy, I was super sick, so I had hyperemesis. Um, Um. So I was in hospital like every, at least every fortnight having anti-nausea and like a a drip for fluids because I was so sick. So I did not enjoy early pregnancy at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I was 16 weeks I went for another checkup because with twins you have to have them like fortnightly so Nick had been to all of the scans up to that point and then it must have been a funny time of year I think oh it was it was December so it was around Christmas and Nick was a contractor builder at that point so he kind of needed to work so I was like don't even worry about it just go to work and I'll send you photos from the scan yes so I went for my 16 week scan and kind of the lady like got the gel ready and put it on my tummy and just didn't really say anything for a while and I was like okay that's fine I guess um and then she let me know that there was no heartbeat without Nick being with you Mm -hmm. so this was my first scan that Nick hadn't been to and so I was and no one to alone. hold your hand. Mm-mm, no one. And and everyone had kind of, even from the clinic, had already gone on Christmas holidays. So it was literally just me and the sonographer, and that was kind of it. And so I was like, okay, but what about the other one? And she said, no, there's no heartbeats, like at all, um, with either of them. Did your brain kind of feel like you didn't believe it at first? Oh, 100%. I was like fully in this state of shock. And I just remember saying to her, oh, that's okay. Like, don't worry. You were comforting her. I literally, (laughs) I I didn't like, I wasn't emotional. I just said, oh, that's okay. Like, don't worry. As though I should be like accepting the fact that both of my children had died. 
Um, and so I remember she got Steph, my midwife, on the phone and called Steph. And Steph like prayed with me and talked me through the process. And that's kind of when it kind of hit that I was like, okay, my twin babies are like gone. Um, so yeah, that was really hard. Um, and so from then I lost them on a Friday. And so I had the whole weekend with them in my tummy, which was like super traumatic for me to know that like my babies were gone, but like still there. Yes. Um, and then on Monday, I went into hospital to start like the dilation process because I, because of their age, I had to birth them naturally. Oh my word. So on the Monday I went in and had like this, it was literally like a tablet, which softens your cervix to kind of help everything start going. And then on the Wednesday I went in for an induction and that's where I like went into labor and delivered my twin boys. So yeah, from Friday, I didn't end up having them until almost a week later on a Wednesday. So no. you held them? I held them, yes. And they were like super cute. We didn't know if they were girls or boys before oh, then. Yes. So I was super excited. We delivered them and they were identical boys. And yeah, we got photos with them and they were in a little bassinet and we held them. And Did you name them? Yes. So, so? our twin boys are Isaiah Sinclair and Zion Jai which are wow. both Hebrew names, because yes. we love Hebrew names, um, and it means like strength and bright and light and love, so, and Sinclair is a family name from Nick's side of the family, so, yeah. yes, it was really special to be able to see them and hold them and name them, yes, as part of the journey, yes, yeah, thanks for sharing that, because yeah. I would imagine that it's something that, like, you, they're still your children, yeah, and, you will see them one day, yep. but it still must be something that is very difficult. Like, it yeah. must have been a really difficult time for you. Yeah. So it was thanks for really sharing hard. that. How, 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 like, if you... I cannot believe they're making this noise. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but anyway. So, but can you tell me, if somebody else was going through the same thing, mm -hmm. um, like... What would you say to that person? Have you found that, like, have you, have you allowed yourself to, to think about it? Or did you just accept that that was the will of God or, or what? Like, because mm. um, I know with myself, if I don't understand something, I know some people just say, just accept it. You don't know everything this side of eternity. But I just believe God is so good to me that he will give me something to, to hold on to or to yeah. just... Just that settles the, it doesn't take away the, the feeling that you that you feel the loss, but yeah. somehow you feel like um, God has given you something in the process. Have you experienced anything yeah. like that? I remember initially being really mad at yes. God and being like, first of all, it was a surprise yes. that I was like not okay with. <laughs> yes. Um, and then finding out they were twins and being super excited yes. about it and being like, oh my goodness, thank you, Jesus. You've like answered my prayer from all those years ago where I asked for twins. And now you're taking them away from me. So I was like really, really mad at God. And it just, I completely lacked the understanding of what was going on in my situation. Um, and as time progressed, like as I went through grief, like I experienced all different kinds of emotions, just like the heaviness of grief. Yes. And like the sadness that I can't even explain, like the pain of loss that's a physical pain 
that I've never experienced before and can't even describe, but just like this heaviness of just grief. Um, and then like as time kind of passes on, I just kind of... So did you, you, did you allow yourself, because I think that that's so healthy that you allowed yourself to feel yeah. those emotions. I am quite a feeler, like as a person, I'm quite like emotional. So I did kind of just like let myself go through the process. Yes, which is healthy, I think. Yeah, I didn't want to like hold anything in because I knew like if I just rode the wave, eventually I'd be off it <laughs> like, and, yes. it, and it would be fine. Um, and all I can remember is at some point, and I don't know when it was, it wasn't much longer after we lost them. It was two weeks because I, had a, I was in the worship team and I had a break from the worship team when we lost them. And two weeks later, I was back serving because I, I felt like I was ready. So like two weeks later, I just, God just gave me peace. And like it didn't take away the pain and it didn't obviously bring back the boys but I just was okay with it like I just was at peace I just realized I'll see them one day and for whatever reason it may be and I don't need to understand it like they're not here right now and like I'll be okay with that and yes I kind of just that's a supernatural thing that happens that peace. yes I can't explain it because it was just Jesus um, and that's how I went on. <laughs> yeah. I think you've got that relationship with Jesus. You like you seem yeah. to be like really real with him. Yeah, he like <laughs> hears my thoughts and feelings <laughs> on a regular basis. So like, yeah, I just I kind of treat my relationship with him as any other relationship. I'm just super honest with him. And if I'm mad, if I'm sad, if I'm happy, then he I knows love about that. It, you know, I just yeah. Yes. And it sounds silly, but I think sometimes people just think that because they're a Christian, they have to be Christian about yeah. things instead of being in relationship. Where yeah. you can just be like, I'm just not doing well with this. Yeah. Because that allows God to actually be God and you're not yeah. trying to... And that's the great thing about relationship with God, just as any other relationship, is that there's the honesty factor and that you can just be honest with Him and that He can be honest with you and that I can bring my burdens to Him, but He'll be like that's okay, like, I've got it, and I'll help you through it, you know? Yes. So just that honesty factor of a relationship with God just really got, got yes. me through. Um, I've never listened to your testimony, but when did you become a Christian? How old were yeah. you? So I started going to church when I was about 10, and I got saved at a youth camp when I was 12. Um, so, yeah, I... Okay. became Christian when I was 12 but then my teenage years from about 19 years old I really really struggled with depression um, and lost my way a lot until I was about 22 and came back to I was always okay. in church but I just kind of like took God out of my life <laughs> I was like um whatever was going on in my life just I just I don't know I was I was a big mess and I don't think that I, I didn't turn to God for it. But that's yeah. what I feel that there is a danger of is that even in my own life, I, I feel like sometimes when you're busy and you're trying to be a Christian, you can actually lose the, the need for hosting the presence of God. I think yeah. when like, you know, you can just be in the right place. It's like just 
being in your family. Mm. But I just, I sometimes think, I think of God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit as being like really quiet and calm and gentle. And when we're busy, they can be with us, but we can yeah. just totally miss out on all they have for us just from busyness, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, so then you had your little girl. Yes, a year later. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, was it a year later? We got pregnant a year later, yeah. Okay. We just both wanted to wait. More so Nick. <laughs> I feel like because my maternal like yes. body had kind of started ticking, I was like, I want another baby. But he was like, no, we're going to wait. And I Which was, was probably so wise. thankful, so thankful that we waited. Because it really just gave me time to like reflect and heal and yes. then prepare myself for motherhood yes with an earthly baby yeah yes Mm. so how did you come to her name avia another hebrew name yes so uh, i don't know what it is but i just love hebrew names i think the meaning of them is just so incredible that i'll probably name all of my children hebrew names um and so her name avia means god is my father Wow. Um, yeah, which is beautiful. And I think um, for me personally, like with my teens and like my depression and things that I struggled with, it was like a big identity crisis. And so, and I think to be honest, like a lot of the generation at the moment struggles with identity. So for me, I think God is my father. The meaning of Avia's name is just so like securely founded in Jesus, like her identity that she recognizes her identity is in Christ, that God is her father. So whatever happens on earth, she'll be sweet because God is her father. And you've kind of decreed it over her every time somebody says that Mm. her name. It's, yes, that is really cool. Yeah. Okay, and so do you think you're going to have more children? Yes. And what are your I think we want one more. Just one. Well, I'd actually be happy with only Avia because, man, it's full on, hey? Having children. <laughs> but I, it is, but I just want to tell you, being only one more child further down the road, one is the hardest number. You think? It's totally the hardest number. It's a lot. Because one, first of all, you realize that like someone's going to have to always be having eyes on this child. Mm-hmm. Like when you in your marriage, you've just mm-hmm. been two individuals and they now and they don't walk. Yeah. <laughs> like practically, they take so much of your time and attention. Yeah. And although you love them, it's a but for some reason, one, if you have one, you always have to be um, entertaining them and yes, caring for I've them. The more children you have, they entertain each other. Yes. And you feel yeah. less guilty. Like if you go on a date night or you do things, you feel kind of like they've got each other. Yeah, that's true. You know. Yeah. I was even thinking, I don't even know whether that is theologically correct, but I was thinking that you've got twin boys and the amazing thing is they've got family. Wherever yeah. they are, they're like together, yeah, you true. know. <laughs> that's true. That's you nice. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, but the only reason we're not just having Avia is because I'm an only child. And I remember saying to my parents, I want a little brother, always. And they never had another <laughs> one. So I was like, she is not being an only child because I did not like being an only child. So we'll have one more. We wanted seven. And then we had Avi and we're like, maybe three. And they were like, eh, just two. <laughs> so yeah, two. Two. But okay. yeah, we're just waiting a little bit. Yes. I enjoy her. Like I just yes. really enjoy just having Avia and just enjoying my time with her. So we'll probably... 
I just love the way three. you love her, actually. It's really I feel beautiful. Like I'm obsessed with her. Yes, but it's no, but that's so beautiful. It's yeah. it's one of the most beautiful things to see when somebody just has that like unconditional love, and they. You definitely have a beautiful relationship with her. Thanks. I and think I, so. Yes, She's the you do. Yeah. She's lots of fun. I remember saying to Grace when she was small, I just thought to myself, this is like my best friend. Like, yeah. whether you like a girl or not, know, you're just getting really bigger choice, or not, though. you're just going to be my best friend. Yeah. You know, that it's very special to yeah. have a girl. But it's also, I mean, they say that boys and their mums as well. Yeah. I think it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you have. Yeah, but definitely. it is lovely when you have... It's just beautiful to watch your relationship with her. Thank you. And, um, okay, so now you mentioned your teens, and I'm Mm -hmm. so glad you did, because I've got a teen girl. And Holly Mm -hmm. is the youth pastor where Grace is part of youth, and I'm so grateful for what you've done for Grace. Um, I think it's, you know, when you relocate and all of that, and you just also, like you mentioned about... um, about just finding yourself. I think the difficulty is that you want to belong at yeah. that age and you're trying yeah. to find your tribe and your people. And um, to relocate in those teen years can be difficult. And you can, um, yeah, you just, like, I remember Grace saying a few times to me, she doesn't know how to be. Mm. And I thought that was such a, a weird question, but it's also, like, it is, it's, yeah. it's pretty real. Like, how do I be? That's a great, and, a, a yeah. great description of... <laughs> That and, but I think yeah. anybody, you know, like yeah. any time in your life, you could be a mum and say, how do I be Yes, yeah. Or like, I'm a teacher, but how do I be? Um, and it's good because I don't think it's about doing. It's yeah. not like, how do I do this? But like... Just being. Yeah. And, yeah. But there is a way of being, like mm. just being comfortable with who you are and yeah. where you are at that time. Mm. So what would your advice be? Because, I mean, that's what you do. You're in relationship yeah. with so many teenagers. What do you think... Like, what do you find that most of them struggle with? Mm. Or like, how... Well, answer that. Because <laughs> I, I then want you to maybe share what you feel... Is are good helpful tips for mothers yeah. of children that age? Mm, I feel like a few things, but I think that they're all kind of linked. I think identity is like the sole um, struggle, I guess, for teens, especially mid-teens. I feel like from the age of 13, 14, yes. um, it's kind of where it starts getting a bit messy. Yes. And I feel like that's the real, like, soul-searching age for teens. Yes. Um, from what I've seen anyway and from what I experienced. I was a little bit later, but that was due to just stupid decisions. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I think identity. And we see it in, like, the statistics, like, with mental health. Like, anxiety and depression is just rampant and just, like, the statistics are horrible. And I think a lot of depression and anxiety comes from a lack of identity um and so now mm. it's uh, like i love the word identity but yeah. what if somebody was like what do you mean like yeah. your identity would you be able to explain what you mean by that yeah well as a christian i think it's easier to explain and yes. I, I honestly i feel sorry for people who aren't christians yes, because that's what I'm thinking. where are they finding their identity like it must be so just confusing and yeah confusing Um, And so as a Christian, like, I believe that we find our identity in Christ. And so all of the things that God exemplifies, like, 
loving and patient and kind yes. and not self-seeking but generous and all of these things like become part of our identity their characteristics their character traits but they become our identity and I think so often like awesome. especially with social media and yes. everything we can so look at the outward appearance and you know like whatever brands or even body type and like all of this we can think that this is supposed to be our identity but I truly believe that identity isn't based on what is on the outside but the characteristics that you hold beautiful oh thanks (laughs) (laughs) no because sometimes we're just saying that and and like it's kind of a word that we all know what we mean but do we know what we're talking about because otherwise we'd all think oh I've got quite a good self-identity I think that like even as I've grown older that there's times in your life or changes or things that happen where you've got to revisit your identity. Yeah, 100%. Where you've got to go back and say, whose am I? Mm. And because I belong to God, I'm his yeah. child. Therefore, like, you know, it's your anchor. Yeah. I also even think of that as a parent. Like, I think sometimes you want to leave your mom because, you know, when you leave school, you think, oh, I'm going to be my own person. And then you find... Um, you get married and you're like, Mom, I need your help. What about this? And then, yeah. you, no, I've got this, you know, I'm sorting myself out. And then you have a baby and you, it's like, it's something that I think we need to revisit with our a heavenly father as yeah. well, you know? Um, and I, it was funny. I was just praying before and I was just like, one of my constant prayers is, Lord, would you just help me identify my short planks? Like, help me identify where I can grow. Like, let, like, show me how to grow more in humility and grow more in love and that I would see people how you see people, love people how you love people. And it's, that's me trying to find my identity, not like finding who I am, but like you said, like, whose I am. I am God, so I want to reflect him. And so I'm constantly praying, like, mold me more into you. And so I want to be more humble. I want to be more loving. I want to be more kind. I want to be more generous. Because that's my identity, because I find my identity in God. And like you look yes. at the characteristics of God, and I think it's the most beautiful picture of a being. And like, what an amazing thing to attain to. And of course, we'll never get there because we're not perfect. But I think if we can pray that we become more like Him and like yes. have those characteristics, like I think if that's what we f- find our identity in and have those characteristics as our foundation of our identity. I think that's a really good place to start. Yes. But now, okay, so back to the teens. Yes. So you were saying that they, you think they struggle with their identity. Do you think that they understand that they belong to God? Or Mm. do you think that they're just trying to be cool and fit in with status quo and like what's going on out there? Or... What, where is the struggle coming in? I suppose it can yeah. be both, but yeah, like, and I'm asking everyone's you, different. I'm, I know you don't necessarily know the exact answer, but in yeah. your opinion, what yeah, do you yeah. think? I think everyone's different, and I think um, recognizing your need for God yes. is essential um, because only then, like, will you ever want to become more like Him. And um, but I think. Like teens are just like bombarded with distractions, with social media and media and television programs and like all of the nonsense that just like clogs our life. Like I was reading somewhere the other day that like we are in like this generation is the most Bible illiterate generation. 
that they'll pick up their phone in the morning and go straight to Instagram rather than picking up their Bible or even their Bible app, you know? Like people have just kind of, their priorities have shifted. And I think it's like sticking up for them. I don't think it's their fault. Like they're just, they've just been thrown all of these distractions. And unfortunately, I think that the distractions are winning. Um, But I think for me anyway, I would love teenagers to be off social media I love social media but I think like there's like even putting like time blockers on it like an hour a day or something like that because I think it is so distracting and and it's the whole saying of like comparison is the thief of joy and if you're constantly comparing yourself to someone wanting to be someone else how are you ever going to know who you are and who God's called you to be, especially if you're looking more at social media and not listening to what he says in his word. Like you're never yes. going to know what your identity is because it's found in his word. But if you're spending all your time looking at other people and what they say about you or what, what they say is cool or popular or like the yes. right thing, you know, you're never going to know the truth. You're never going to know your true identity. So I think just shifting priorities, taking your eyes off the distraction and putting your priorities on what God has to say about it. Exactly. And you know, I found that in myself as well, and I'm in my 40s, but I found that um, when I, I, for me, relationships key. I like to have really good relationships yeah. where I know people and yeah. I don't mind their mess and they know me. And yeah. so I wasn't really that worried about social media, but then coming, obviously moving to another place, you still want to remain connected with relationships that you've had mm. before. And I noticed that it was pretty hard to actually make friendships if you're not on social media as well. Because you do need to connect with people and see what's going on in their lives. You can't really be isolated Mm. and think, well, I'm going to have these... Because it's kind of a doorway into friendships, right, as well. But I also definitely noticed, like you're saying, that instead it's so addictive because then you start looking... It's distracting. That's a great way. Yes, it's distracting. So... You know, um, I just think that at the same time, if the social media that you are on is inspiring and it's maybe helping you, it's even better. Because mm. why I'm saying it is sometimes you, you feel tempted, and I always speak to my children about the continuum, that I'm like, if you look at history, you're either on this side of the continuum and then of any topic, mm. you might have uh, parents who are very authoritarian and controlling and then the next generation go to the other end of the continuum but you know just to find that place where actually and and being and allowing the holy spirit to give you self-control that you Mm -hmm. can you don't have to say no social media because sometimes people take a social media break and then they're back on it and it's like a fair diet you know it's just kind of like making sure that i'm getting it's balanced, my fruit hey. and veggies, mm-hmm. and that's just the dessert, you know? It's not yeah. the actual thing that's feeding my soul and, and my spirit. And there's so many great things about social media. Like, especially, like, I work in youth, and we use youth, uh, social media to market all of our events. Like, how are people going to know about what yes. we do here? Like, how are we going to share Jesus more if we don't use social media? Like, it's such a great tool. And it's, I think, I'm not saying social media is bad at all, but it's like, no, where it's- are you looking? You know, like... If you look at some of the stuff you're following, like, is it really necessary? Is it really building you up? Is it encouraging you? Or is it distracting you? Is it pulling you down? Is it making you self-conscious? And then just, like, fine-tuning what you follow on social media and making sure that it's healthy and positive. Yes. 
So what would what do you think you would do if your child was about 12 or 13? They would, would not have social media at 12 or 13. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I honestly think it's too young. 16, I think, yeah, it's appropriate. Um, but I would probably help monitor it. Okay. Yeah. Yes. It's interesting. I find that... Um, I'm trying to teach Grace and Luke. So I believe, this is what I believe. I believe that in the Old Testament, God obviously changed things around people. And so there was like a visitation culture. They knew that God was pleased with them if all things around them went well. Mm. But if there was a flood, if there were things that happened. So they didn't have the Holy Spirit, right? So they were just trying to um, work out if their behavior mm. was pleasing to God or not. Sure. And then when Jesus came, he obviously died on the cross and he reconciled us with God mm-hmm. and he left the Holy Spirit. So now we can be governed by listening to the small, still voice within us. Mm-hmm. And we can actually have a habitation culture, which means that we can know from the inside of us um, how God feels about things because he's written his law on the tablets of our hearts, mm-hmm. right? And we had... So we know when things are affecting us. And so I I actually think, and the reason why I'm saying this to you is because I agree 100% with what Mm. you're saying about social media. Mm. But I'm trying to teach Grace and Luke, watch your moods. And if you, you, like for example, if you're eating the wrong thing and it starts affecting Mm. your moods and if you don't exercise, right, then you know, hey, I need to sort some things out in my life. Instead mm. of me as a parent being completely like, hey, you've got 15 minutes on social media yeah. day. Because it kind of then is like Old Testament mm. type of, sure. like, I'm going to, you'll always need somebody to try and help you yeah. make sure that you are doing the right thing instead mm. of taking responsibility for yourself and understanding mm. what's healthy. Obviously, I'm not saying that you... It's coaching. And yeah, as, sure. the, as they get older, they can be entrusted with mm. more time. And you do yeah. have to start off certainly putting those things in mm. place. Okay, so now, um, lastly, what, like... Well, is there anything that you learned from your mum that you would like to teach your children Mm. just answer that yeah my mum like she blames herself a lot which I just think is terrible for like my teenage years um and how much I struggled with that but I honestly think my mum is an incredible mum and she has taught me so much she is one of the most generous people I know like I would I I just think that's incredible about her. Like, that is one of the traits I love most about her. She's so selfless and so generous. And I would hope that I would become more like that. And I think what my mum taught me, and I don't know if it's because of, like, my personality type that she just kind of, like, let it bloom, but I'm quite, like, independent and strong-willed. Is that the positive term? (laughs) Determined. Yeah, (laughs) determined. And I think she definitely, like, encouraged that in me and, like, moulded it and created it in, like, a safe place. And, like, I can see the same in Avia. Like, she's super strong-willed, man. And and (laughs) she's very independent. And, you know, she wants to walk by herself and she wants to feed herself and she wants to do everything herself, put on her shoes, even though she can't do that herself. And I think that, like... I think independence is, like, a really good thing. Yes. Um, But at the same time, like, as a parent, I would want to, like, um, 
how do I say it? Like mold the child so that they know that I am their safe place, their home is their safe place. And so, yes. and to give them the freedom of independence, but to know that I'm still here if they need help. And I think it's like that beautiful balance between independence and codependence. Yes. I don't know if it changes as you get older, but I feel like even now, like I'm 28 and I get sick and I'm like, mum, I want to cuddle. Yes. You know? That's what I I mean. You always want your mum. When you go back and then you think you're actually grown up. Yeah. Ah, phone my mum sometimes. I'm like, and so I think. I think you revert back to like yeah. that's your place it's of comfort. It's this beautiful like codependence, but like the ability as a parent to grow like beautifully independent children as well. Was that yes. your question? What was your question? What you what you love about your mum? Yeah, that that's she was what so I love gen- Yeah, she was so generous. Yeah, so and generous. And like she she'd do anything space. to anyone. She gave me space, and I think like I I took it and ran with it in a negative way. But I don't, that's not my mum's fault. That was my decision, you know? Um, and I think as a mum, she, it was really brave of her to give me that independence, knowing that she couldn't make my decisions for me, but still choosing to give me that independence. But then she was still there when everything came But isn't that how God was? Exactly. I mean, God didn't say exactly to Adam that. and Eve. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah. he had kids that he said, yeah. go and do this, just don't and eat it must that. Be the most and it still didn't thing. work for him. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it and I, the wrong thing. I see how like heartbroken my mum was when I was in hospital, like in the emergency room over and over again after suicide attempt, after suicide attempt. Like so many, like how heartbreaking that must have been, like I can't even imagine. But like she chose to give me independence and I made wrong decisions, but she was still there to love me at the end of it. And I just think that's like so courageous. And, yes. But super powerful as well. And I think that if it's the whole like train a child in the way they should go if we put in these like beautiful like building blocks early in life and teach them about their identity and how to seek more of that and how to grow in fruitfulness and all of this then when they get to the age where they can start like obtaining more independence then hopefully the foundation blocks are in place that they would choose to make good decisions yes I feel like I'm taking too much advantage of your time. <laughs> You're fine. But I wanted to just ask you now. So how do you keep victory in your emotions now? Mm. And like, like do, do you think that good relationships and friendships around you make a difference? Mm. I would say, just touching on the friendships, I love the quote where it says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Yes. Because I think friendships and your close relationships make the biggest difference in your life. And I've always said, like I shared at one of our youth churches, like I always want a friend and I would hope that I'd be a friend that always points my friend towards Jesus. Because I have friends in my life who I know no matter what the situation is, whether I'm out of line or in line, they will always encourage me, give me love, but always point me back to Jesus and like give me that truth, you know? Um, And so in terms of victory with my emotions, like I said, I am a very emotional person, so it's constantly something that I have to keep in check because I can let them, like, wonder and react emotively when, like, really I should just, like, step back and think more. (laughs) Um, So for me personally, it's a constant battle and constant prayers. Lord, give me more patience. 
help me love more like you. And so I think that's how I hopefully will one day have victory <laughs> over my emotions. And I think like as time goes on, like I look back at like, like my depression and things like that that I struggled with and having to overcome that and the lessons that I learned in that set me up for when I lost the twins and learning to deal with those emotions and hopefully those lessons will never have to be put into place because I just want happiness but you know like I think that the little seasons that you go through in life if you reflect and you and you like even without sounding too spiritual like ask God to show you the lessons that he's trying to teach you in it so that definitely when, yeah that's key. when something else comes up you're like oh I've got more ammo from what I learned in my last trial or your little war that you had um, to help you with your next season. So Yes. Yeah. You know, I found as well, I, 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 this year for me has been like, I felt like my emotions have been, and I think a lot of people out there yeah. have felt like, you know, yeah. and I actually enjoy being joyful and I like to laugh, even if something's not funny, if I can yeah. see the funny side in it or if I can see that... I'm going to laugh at it later. That's how I cope. Yeah. But um, I have found, like when you're saying about learning your lesson and that, mm. I have found that I have just become a little bit like allergic to change because I've mm. been sort of thinking, if I can anticipate, like that's what I'll look forward to. This time next year, this will be easier or that will be, and um, it doesn't work out like that and you get a surprise along mm. the way. Um, I think sometimes like then your emotions can, but I don't know why I'm saying all of this, but I think that what you're saying about praying about it and asking God is key because I started thinking, Lord, I don't know why I'm feeling like I need to get a handle yeah. on my emotions because I want to be seen as a joyful person. Yeah, like, what is I this want feeling? to be negative and yeah. I can't hide my emotions. Like, yeah, I, I, like need moan, <laughs> I need to moan. I need to moan. And I need to vent and I need to mm. verbally process it. And sure. then even while I'm talking about it, I actually change my mind. And I yeah. think, oh, yeah, no, that's actually not that bad. But when mm. I started talking, I was really upset yeah. about it. And then it kind of comes right. But I'm, I'm just actually starting to realize that God made me this way. Mm -hmm. He made me with the emotions. Mm -hmm. But I think there is a pause button. And that's the time where, like, because Doug is really helpful with me for me with that where sometimes if I'd feel like this, but I chat to him first, then when I approach the situation, it's softer. totally, it's softer yeah. because... Nick's like that yes, for me too. because <laughs> I've needed to. And, and if you had to tell me not to be like that and just, mm. I think I'd be rebellious actually yeah. because I think I'd feel like you are trying to close me in and I, yeah. need, to, I need to get this out because yeah. I feel this way. Yeah. You know? it was, it's the same for me and Nick. Like I'm definitely an external processor and he's yes. definitely an internal processor. <laughs> and I think we both frustrate, Jesus knows. <laughs> frustrate each other because, because of that. Like I yes. am always at him like talking about how I'm yes. feeling and blah, blah, blahing because then I feel better. <laughs> and he's just like mulling things in his head. I'm like, yes. you need to talk to me about yes. it. But it works for us, you know, like, and, and that's how I deal with things. And that's how he deals with things. And I help bring it out of him and he helps definitely. soften me. And it's definitely, so it is, but I think I was actually just thinking as you were talking, like one thing that I would, that I always like wish I knew or like my advice, I guess would be, um, you know how people say like, Oh, sometimes I just have to learn the hard way or yes. I need to do it to learn it or 
And like, I even think of Avia and like, I'm going to be so like open with her about like my past and the struggles that I had and the, the wrong decisions I made and things in the hopes that she wouldn't have to go through that. And you I think, fought the fight. Like yeah. surely that means that it stops at you yeah. if you've been, yes. Well, that's what we pray anyway. <laughs> but you know, like I just, I think this whole thing that the world teaches us like, um, you know, like you, you have to fight the battle to learn the lesson. I just, I just don't think that's true. And I think we can learn so much from those who go before us and we can choose to avoid so the battle, Holly. you know? Yes. And I think of the baggage that I picked up along the way um, from like the mistakes that I've made. And I'm like, man, I wish I'd listened to someone when they told me that that was a bad decision and that it would end up in heartbreak. I wish I'd listened and I wish that that would have been my lesson rather than have having the baggage and having to work through that and that being the lesson, you know, like there's so much unnecessary baggage that I picked up in my life. And I just pray that like my children would just learn the lesson from the lesson rather than the consequence. Rather than going through it. Definitely. And that's why... Um, I believe, I always try and think of what they, what the age they're going to be next. And that is actually just coming back to saying that I've been feeling like that emotionally. I think it's because we haven't known what's next. Yeah, and I live true. so much in what's next. Yeah, especially and if I, you're a planner. Yes. Hey, it's really, it is really hard when you don't uh, know. Yes. Mm. And I've just felt, and hopefully anybody listening can just also maybe learn from that. Because I feel like God is saying, but... I am yesterday, I'm the same yesterday, yeah. today, and forever. Yeah. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But he's really present. Yeah. And like we can think that, like we can be preparing for the future mm. and not, and Missing losing out on, on that his presence is yeah. here and it will be in the future as well. Yeah. We only get worried if we imagine the future without a minute. Yeah. But he's, he's, he's the great adventurer. Yeah. He's with us every day. He's, he's going to be there. Whenever I think about, whenever I think about the future and I like freak out about not knowing or like if I'm going to be okay, I always think about my past and what God's brought me through. And I'm like, and I'm okay now. And so if I got through that and he was, yes. he was today when I was back then, <laughs> you know, yes. then, and I'm okay, then I'm going to be okay then. Yes. He's, he's got it sorted. Yes. He's good then. He's good now. And he'll be good then Yes. Yeah. And so that's why, like, you, sometimes you, you, when I'm saying planning as well, you, you, if you know that you've got a calling on your life, that Jesus died for you to walk into things that he prepared before the foundations of the earth for you to walk into, that's where I'm saying, like, you, you're making the decisions from the future. Mm. Like, okay, so therefore this is why I need to behave like this now. Great point. Because this Great is where point. I'm going. So yeah. I don't want to look back and have like... Because yeah. Jesus does turn all things to the good. And anything you've been through become amazing testimonies. Because he's, he's just like that. He mm. just like everything that, you know, if, he's, if he comes into your story, he turns all things for the good. Everything becomes gold, even the rubbish that you've done. But I do think that like... Um, I think that it's important for us as we mother to just remember that if we can teach our children how much Jesus loves them and Mm. he's got a calling on their life, they will listen to the still small voice. And exactly what you're saying, instead of thinking that they've got to learn it the hard way. But I think sometimes sometimes Mm. we don't want to listen to someone else 
only because we're not convinced that they really love us. Yeah, we that's think so we true. know more. That's really but bad. if actually Jesus loves us so much that and he's got the best. He's, he's got the best. Why best wouldn't interest. you listen yeah. to it? So true. You know? I think that's such a great point. Like knowing that because God loves us, whatever he's saying, no matter how hard it is to hear, he's saying it for our good. Yes. And I think like um, we need to be more future conscious and like make decisions today based on tomorrow and not yes. think about like what's going to make us feel good right now, but actually what kind of future do we want and is that decision going to alter that in a negative or a positive way? Yes. Mm. Holly, and you're such a great worship leader. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I love worship. I, honor, I love. That's, it's funny. My mum always teases me because like when I pray, I don't like speak. I just sing. And so I've always just... It's just my way of communicating with God, whether it's through song or through prayer, through melodies. Like, that's just my way. Yes. Yeah, I love worship. And so, like, when I'm, in, when I'm at church and you're worshiping, I wanted to mention that because we've spoken about your emotions. And I think sometimes we always look at it in terms of our, the ones we struggle with. Mm. But actually, that's like a really powerful time where I think the fact that you are a feeler and you can pick up what's going on in the room and like what's happening in the song and in the time and what the Holy Spirit's doing Thanks. is very evident because it's like you're not just singing the song. <laughs> it's like... It's really beautiful. So that's why I'm saying, you know, sometimes, um, yes, we do have to manage things when we, you know, when we have the emotions that are like, but that is where obviously the Lord has made you specifically like that. I'm a feeler. Yes. That's why. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And how, I mean, in worship, I had this friend, I know we need to stop, but I had this <laughs> friend, Shane, she went through a divorce and she wasn't a Christian. In fact, she was brought up in an Eastern, a family who believed in Eastern. I think her mom even had a, had a, a like a, a place where people could come and practice Eastern things. I don't even know what they were. Like more New Age yes, type yes. of stuff. Yeah. And she came to church with us and she said to us, I don't know why. But I, there's something in when they sing those songs, because every time I just start crying. Yeah. And then she decided she really enjoyed the, the preach. And so she'd come for the sermon but um, miss, miss the singing because she was too embarrassed that she was just always yeah, wow. undone yeah. in the worship. And she'd say, do you know what? They'd end with a song then. And then I'd be or And that's where I'm saying that I think that actually God sometimes even goes beyond what we think straight to our hearts, which yeah. is where our, our emotions are found, you know. Yeah. So well done. Just keep going in that. Oh, we love it. We, <laughs> you know, that's really... I've really been blessed by that. And I'm just so thankful for what you do for the youth. Thank you. I love it. I love it. It's it's really like hard to put into words, but I think, yeah, I just love it. And I just am super passionate about like youth because it's such a hard age, isn't it? Like teenage years. Like I'm just super passionate about growing resilient Christians who like stand the test of time. Their faith lasts. And so that's like where my passion for youth comes from, that they would... And, and we are grateful, parents that send our children to a place like City Impact Church, which have people like you Thanks. that are doing that for us. That is, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. We really appreciate it. Thank no you for your time. God okay. bless you. Thank you. And we'll wrap it up there. Isn't Holly just so authentic and real and refreshing? I was so blessed by that interview. After listening to it again, 
now I just thought to myself that there might be people listening who feel a little bit like what I said earlier on where Grace asked me about how she should be. You might have a child that isn't sure how they should be and let's face it, the world that we're living in at the moment is asking us that question, how should we be? How should we do our jobs the way that we've been doing them? Because the situation might require changing. But something that never changes is whose we are. And the Bible says that in Jesus, we live and move and have our being. Sometimes we tie our identity and we put on our children that they are who they are because of what they do. And we are who we are because of what we do. Let's just take a moment and think of how we can be and whose we are. And I want to finish off with just reading the scripture over you. God made all the delicate inner parts of your body and knit you together in your mother's womb. He has made you so wonderfully complex. His workmanship is marvelous. How well we know it. God watched you as you were being formed in utter seclusion, as you were being woven together in the dark of the womb. He saw you before you were born. Every day of your life has been recorded in his book. Every moment is laid out before a single day passes. How precious are the thoughts about you to God. They cannot be numbered. The one who made you and loved you and is holding you in his hand. Every moment of your life was laid out before a single day had passed. He has loved you before the foundations of the world and he will love you forever and ever and ever. Father God, I just pray for this precious friend listening and I ask you to place your hand of blessing on their head and I thank you Jesus for beginning to talk to them in their innermost being about their identity and how much you love them and go after them chasing them down with goodness and mercy every day of their lives God bless you friend have an amazing day until our next podcast